And welcome back, sports fans. It's another Sports NWS podcast where we talk about sports and a lot of them. So, without further delay, let's get into it, shall we? Now, obviously, this week's topic, we're strictly talking about the NBA start of the season, what teams are struggling, the stats of the NBA, and then we're going to talk about the NHL and the same type of thing, teams that are struggling and teams that definitely need some help and what we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Now, obviously, this is going to be a strict podcast on those two on those two topics. That's what we're focusing on this week. I'm not going to cover any MLB signings. If you want to find out any signings that's happened within the last few days, you can go ahead and follow our, our Instagram and our Twitter, Sports News 298 on Twitter and Sports NWS today, where you can find all your favorite news about your favorite team, on those social media pages. Now, let's get right into it. We're going to hop into the NHL topic, and I just want to talk about some uh, some points at the moment. So we've had a good start to the season. Um, obviously, there's been... We've got to talk about some teams that have struggled. We've got to talk about some teams that are excelling the, ex- the expectations that we had coming into this season. Now, I'm going to talk about points. Um, there's, there's a lot of players here that we expect to be in there but there's some that just don't make sense or some that weren't expected to do this good to start off the 2021 slash 2022 season now obviously talking we've got the former guy himself the great the great one they're the great power duo in the nhl leon dreisaitl connor mcdavid no surprise there that leon dreisaitl is currently leading the league in points with 36 points in 18 games. Now, Leon Dreisaitl has has collected 14 penalty minutes, but he's also in power play goals. He's got nine on the season, and that is impressive too. And averaging about per game, he's averaging at least 23 minutes per game. So that's and that's more than what uh, Connor McDavid's getting at right now at 22-22, is what the projected numbers are at the moment for Connor McDavid. And Leon Dreisaitl. Now, Leon Dreisaitl is 18 goal, has scored 18 goals and put up 18 assists, equivalent to 36 points, plus 11. And then Connor McDavid, shortly behind him, with uh, playing in 18 games, 12 goals, 20 assists, 32 points. And then just shortly after that, two points behind McDavid is the great number eight, Alexander Ovechkin. Now, Alexander Ovechkin is looking to get up on that goal record this season. He's looking to put up the number. He's getting closer and closer each and every year, and he's got time to do it. So the question for this podcast, or the poll of this podcast, and you guys can answer that in comments. Also check out our website. Uh, it's good. link's going to be in our bio on both our Twitter and our Instagram. On the Beacon website, you'll see um, my links to all the special pages on my Instagram, any page that is important, you can go ahead and check it out there. Now, before we talk about it, there we make the question, will Alexander Ovechkin break Wayne Gretzky's goal record? Right now, he's getting closer and closer, and as we all know, the Wayne Gretzky record, if it is broken, which I think it's doable, and it is possible, and if it happens... Alexander Ovechkin will be the new goal record holder and it's the very first time we've seen someone like him come as close as he has to actually 
um, even getting up with Wayne Gretzky in that spot. Now, obviously, he is sitting currently now at 745 goals in 1,216 career games. This is, or is absolutely spectacular for this guy. Now, obviously, he has still ways to way to go. Wayne Gretzky is still up there, but he's got it. He doesn't plan on retiring and uh, within the next four years. Obviously, he signed a big contract with the Capitals to stay there. And he's looking to prove a point, and he's looking to compromise or to crack that record. And if he does, congratulations. It's a great. It's something great. Um, and obviously, I don't know. I haven't heard whether he will be playing in the uh, the Olympics this year. I'm not sure whether he will or not, just because of uh, the toll on the body. He wants to make sure he's rested up. Like last year, he skipped the All Star game just to uh, just to attend or just to keep his body in shape for the. Uh, playoffs, which ended up badly for them as they were eliminated in the first round. So the Washington Capitals, they're actually doing pretty well this season. I gotta say, I've I've seen a lot of ups and downs from that from them, but I gotta say they're doing really really well for themselves. And I can't say that I was uh, dis shocked to see them at second, but I also gotta say Caroline has put on a hell of a fight. They've shown what a team they are, what they want to accomplish, and they're doing that. They're currently sitting first in the Metropolitan Division, which is top, like, is the top dog right now. They are first out of all these teams, like the Rangers, the Devils, the Flyers, uh, even the Pittsburgh Penguins, and that's a team that we're going to be talking about here in just a moment. Now, obviously, the Rangers are 11 and 4 this season. With 25 points sitting in third. Now there is a lot there. There's a lot of traction there. Because they're a team that you're going to want to watch out for this year. I think that really we're going to see the New York Rangers be in the playoffs. And they're going to be a team to be watching out for. Because they're on their way back. After adding two key first round picks. Uh, Capococco and your boy Alexis Lafreniere. Now obviously we know that. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins struggled. They there's a lot of struggle there, and then we got the Islanders. They're on a really nasty, nasty, um, a really nasty losing streak. Now, obviously, they're not the worst team in the NHL at the moment, but they're sure hell getting close to it. Now. Obviously, I want to talk about uh, one team that's actually been on a hell of a stretch lately and seems that they, they've won some games within the last few days, but they're dropping and they're winning, dropping, winning, dropping, winning. It's not a balanced fair weight. Like, as you know, the weight, you want to balance it, make sure it's even on both sides. And this team isn't finding its balance. Um, and it's shocking because they've added a lot of good, great talent. And they were active this offseason. They were looking for better results. And right now they're not finding it. And I just don't see anything that's showing that they're going to be able to crack it. And get out of this slump that they've been in. And it's just a team like the Vancouver Canucks. I know they're not sitting last like the Kraken. We're going to talk about the Kraken in just a moment as well. I want to talk about where they're at and what's going on. And what I think should be done here 
in Seattle, but we're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks real quick. As we all know, there has been a flood in Western Canada, in Vancouver, BC. There has been an experience of torrential flooding, which hasn't had an effect on the, their home games this season, but it's just something that we want to send our condolences out to the families that had to evacuate their homes in that part of the uh, that part of the province. So con I would like to offer my condolences to those families that had to evacuate and pick up all their stuff and move because of this natural disaster that's happened. But I also just want to talk about where they're at right now. Now, obviously, we're going to talk about it because they are through 19 games of recorded six of 11. There's been a lot of problems here, and according to a source of mine, that there is a really, that the chemistry in that locker room is slowly disintegrating slowly as we go by, and it's starting to get bad when your captain, Bo Horvat, is saying that it's not going to work if it's going to continue to happen like this. The way that they've been going down lately has not been good. Their last 10, they're 3-6-1, and one, struggling to stay up. They can't, they've found a winning streak for two games and that it was snapped a few days ago now obviously this is disappointing because obviously they added a lot of talent they acquired Connor Garland Oliver Ackman Larson they re-signed both the they re-signed Connor Garland with the intentions that he would help help their second and third line he'd be a good player for that team now obviously I don't have any doubts with him I think he's great but I think it ultimately goes back to the goaltending situation. Thatcher Demko's workload is going to get to him, and this is why they're losing. I got to say, they need to work on, if they're going to be a team that needs to get back and they need to focus on getting back, the first thing they need to do is focus on when the deadline comes around, look on the market, try to get a goalie. I obviously understand. Halak is a veteran. He's a great guy. I have a lot of respect for Halak and his, his skill and his style and everything that he does but right now it's not enough for a team like can or a team like the Canucks that's young and talented has a lot of potential and Halak isn't the piece that they need um, there and I'm fortunately I have to say it because Thatcher Demko has been doing all the work in uh, for the Vancouver Canucks whatever they've whatever success they've had has been because of Thatcher Demko now we're going to talk about uh, some options at the deadline. Obviously, we're still ways away. There's still a few months or two months till the deadline, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about players that could be on the move. And now, obviously, there's a lot of speculation in uh, Vancouver that there's a chance that there might be a firing happening here. Um, Travis Green is now in a hot seat, and there's also been rumors that Jimmy Jim Bennings is also in a hot seat right now from uh, Vancouver's owners as they just they don't look like a team that uh, the owner the owners are not happy with the success of the Canucks right now and I wouldn't be either if my team was sitting at 6 and 11 to 2 I just don't think that's enough to be successful I don't think that he the owners are happy about it they're different the goal differential um, right now is negative 16 towards the Canucks negative 16 Goal, they've only scored 46 goals and had 62 goals against them within the first 19 games of the season. Now, I want to talk about the Kraken, and obviously what I'm going to do here is I'm going to talk about them really in real in-depth and what's happened here. I know it's, it's early. They're a first-year franchise. 
there's been a lot to talk about. Now, there's also been speculation, and I want to get this clear, and everyone, I'm not speculating that it's going to happen, but there's a chance that this does happen. Now, the NHL did, there was a report released earlier this week, uh, earlier last week, or into the weekend on Friday, there was a report saying that Gary Bettman had a meeting with the Quebec City man or Quebec City government official in talking about bringing the Quebec Nordiques back. Now this is a speculation and it is a rumor. Obviously there wouldn't be this isn't an expansion team like the Seattle Kraken. This is going to be a relocation team and obviously a team that needs to relocate by the end of the season is your Arizona Coyotes that are in the Central Division, are looking for a new home. They will not return to the Gila River Arena in 2023. There will, there are 2022-2023 the season. They are expected to be out by the end of the season. Now, this does create a spot in the NHL, and this obviously would be a, a significant change. And it would be exciting for the Canadian fans out there. You would be excited for it. Is just as the Quebec Nordiques last seen in 1979-78 or the 79 and the 80 season. That was it's been over 20 years, and it's been quite a torrential, uh, quite a torrential change for the NHL. Like the Quebec Nordiques were a well-respected organization. There a lot of great stars came out of there. Patrick Waugh was one of them that loved playing in Quebec. Uh, he just there's a lot to it. There's a lot of Quebec Nordiques fans out there that want have been saying. We'd like to see them back. Now, it, again, this is a speculation. And whether it happens or not, it's not yet determined. But the thing is, is that the Quebec City, Quebec City, Canada, has an arena. And they have, it's, it's an NHL-fitted arena. Now, Gary Bettman is expected to have continuous conversations with the, the Montreal government or the Quebec City government. And this has been talked about. And they're going to continue to talk about it. So there is that potential tar, uh, change for the Arizona Coyotes possibly being renamed the Quebec Nordiques or relocating to Quebec City, Canada, where they will become the Quebec Nordiques. This would be cool to be left off. But then again, this is a predicament where they need to be relocated and that city is open and there's a lot of loyal sports fans a lot of hockey fans that lo would love to see a hockey team back in Quebec City now obviously let's get back to where we're, we were with the Seattle Kraken now I want to talk about the Kraken their first year in the NHL it's going to be rough if they're going to experience some roughness now first and foremost in my opinion the biggest problem in this in this within the organization right now is I gotta say that it's David Hextall or Dave Hextall is the problem in this organization he's not a, fit, a fundamental coach that focuses on both offense and defense I think that really he's the problem because this is where uh, when it comes down to it their defense have been sloppy their record is speaks for itself like it just shows that there was their their defense hasn't been on their point. This it's like the defense has not been there. Um, obviously, we're looking when we look at the stats, uh, we're just seeing absolute numbers. So first and foremost, we want to I want to talk about uh, their production now. So obviously here in um, there in Seattle, they have like they they didn't get the best people in their. Um, in the expansion, obviously Jordan Eberle, Alexander Wenberg, Danny Gord, Vince Dunn, 
Mark Teradano, uh, Jaden Schwartz, those were good names. But right now, what's struggling for them or what they're doing right now that's really, really affected them or things that is bad on their side is their goaltending. Philip Grubauer currently sitting with a 318 ER or uh, 318 goals against average. That is the best on the team right now. Obviously, we're going to talk about it. Chris Dredger, 478 goals against average. That's where we're at with the Seattle Kraken right now. We're going to talk about it currently. What is the talk about? Rookies, Cole Lind has not put up anything. Defensemen, the Vince Dunn is the top defenseman for the Seattle Kraken right now with seven points. Now, top guy for the Kraken has been Jared's for our Jaden Sports with 16 points and leading has only scored four goals. But the top goal scorer for the Seattle Kraken has been Jordan Eberle, following by Brandon Tanev and Jared McCann. Now. Obviously, we I want to talk about save percentage here too. We're going to talk about the goaltending save percentage right now. Chris Dredger is sitting at a 791 save percentage this season. That is one of the worst save percentages in the whole entire NHL right now. This is a, a pro. Now this is the problem. There is not the defense has been the problem for the Kraken. There's been a lot of problems with the defensive core. I think the pairing is what the problem is, and they need to fix it. Now, obviously, we're gonna I'm gonna go through the stats with you in depth of what we've seen here. Okay, so going to the Seattle Kraken. If we look at the Seattle Kraken's uh, shots per game or the amount of shot percentages and stuff that's happened for the Kraken. They have just they're not a team looking on fire. They're not a team that's looking good. Now let me run these numbers through you here. Now first and foremost we have penalty minutes. We got one player on this team that's just taking so many penalties and it's been I want to say the problem too. Like Jamie Oletiak here is the leading problem on this team on the especially on the defense. Jamie Oletiak is got 26 penalty minutes in 18 games. He's been a wrecking force. Too many penalties have been the reason why they've lost so many games. Their amount of uh, hits per or shots per game per player, the highest is Marcus Johansson with 271. Two shot, uh, 271. That is insane. Now, obviously, we're talking about even hits per game. Brandon Tenev was averaging three. Now. I want to talk about some more things that may may change your mind a little bit about what's happening. It's about now. It's about the puck possession and the power play. We're gonna see. I'm gonna tell you about the power play here now. The power play results from these guys aren't looking good. Now power play shots are good. So the only they've the big power play goal guys on this team. Right now, in 2021, has been Jared McCann four times on the power play. Now, obviously, their power play percentage overall throughout this 18 games 
Their shooting percentage is 28%, or is currently 28% from Jordan Eberle. There's been also talks of the team, like the teams just struggled offensively when their even penalty killing has been probably one of their crappiest things. Now, the NHL's best power play team, honestly, is the teams that you least expect. You least expect them to be on top, but you, you know they are where they are. Now, Seattle Kraken are currently sitting at last. They're in last of team offensive power play of the season. They're not there. They're not seeing the puck well. And that's a problem. They can't compromise on the power play. Then they might as well not compromise at all on any opportunity. Now, the way I look at it is, is Seattle needs... I think what really Seattle will need is a coaching change. Now, obviously, it's a lot to say that. It's hard to say it. Um, there's a lot of problems with that. Now, the, what I mean by that is that there's a lot of issues with David Hextall. I don't think he's perf- he's meant to be the coach of this team. I don't think it's possible that he can be the, co- the coach of this team. I just don't see it. Uh, and I just think that it's time to move on or it's time to uh, fire him and get a new head coach in Seattle. Now, obviously, that's a big... Uh, it's a big problem now obviously I don't know how likely it is for them to do that um, obviously John Tortorella is a good example of someone who could get thing Bruce Boudreaux is another example uh, that could be a good option to replace him Claude Julian is another one or Rick Tochet of the Rangers uh, or Gerald actually Gerald Gorland, uh Gerald Gallant is doing well and will stay with the Rangers. So I think ultimately there needs to be a coaching change. And that's the problem is the coaching staff is not there. And this is why they've struggled at uh, at their potential on the offensive-defensive side of the game. And they're just not there. So they're going to continue to struggle. And I think that this year, they're honestly, it's at this point a lost cause to think that they're going to do... Uh, good um, just because the team has struggled on both sides of the puck and really it's it comes down to it so the power play percentage right now for the Seattle Kraken is currently is currently only 17 percent they're on the other side they're doing good on the penalty kill they're pen they're killing penalties they're doing well they're currently at 80 percent which is actually pretty good on uh, the league, they're actually sitting at 30, 30th place on that chart for that um, that result. Now, obviously, let's see for the penalty or the power, the highest power play percentage right now in the NHL currently is the Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers are sitting at number one. With the successful power play. The power play for the Edmonton Oilers right now is at 38.2%. And that's the highest in in all of the NHL right now. And again, I want to talk about uh, the Edmonton Oilers in depth in a different podcast episode. This isn't going to be the one because I want to talk about some more stuff. But 
the biggest thing is we're going to talk one more about one more team that I think we need to really address before we go any further into this season. Um, obviously, we I want to talk about one player or one team that struggled in its ways that it's not understood understandable. Now, obviously, we've seen the ups and downs of the league. I've seen a lot of things go sideways for a team, and one team that's on its down low and it's not on a good start or good tempo and it's not going a great way for them is uh, the Boston Bruins. Now, the Boston Bruins, they played the Calgary Flames the other day and they just did not look in sync at all. Now, obviously, if you follow a guy named Max Manville, he will show you, or Max... Bruins on TikTok. If you follow, go give him a follow on TikTok. You can see all of his content. And he said, quote unquote, on that game that the Boston Bruins looked out of sync. They didn't look like they were involved. They didn't look that they had no offensive opportunities. They were being slammed by the Calgary defense. And they did not produce enough offense to even score on Dan Vladar, a former goaltender of the Boston Bruins. Now, the Boston Bruins are 9-6 with 18 points. But the thing is with them right now, they have a plus 3 differential. They have a plus 3 differential. And it's not like the Boston Bruins to be on this little... Like, this thing that they're on, I don't... Like, it's, it's bad. It's pretty bad. Now, what I want to say here is their home record, they're great at home. They've been great at home, 6-2-0. and and oh, They're great. But it's when they go on a road trip, they're experiencing problems on the road as they put up a 3-4-0 right now. Their last 10 games, they're 6-4-0. They've lost one game. They lost last night. They've just... They're not looking like a team that's in their zone right now. They're not in sync. And it, like Max said, it is like there's something needs to be addressed here. Obviously, the team Pasternak has done his job. He's doing his job well. Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, you can't ask those players to do any more. But it's really what comes down to the third and fourth line. Where are they going? What are they doing? They're not predict- like it doesn't seem like they're in sync here, and there needs to be something that comes out of it. Obviously, they again Tuka Rask is not what the Bruins. But they got Jeremy Swayman in goaltending, and I just, I don't, I don't know what's probably, I don't know what's wrong with them at the moment, but I do know is what needs to happen is that they need to compromise on the momentum when they're on the road, and when they get that road win, they got to focus on keeping pace with everything else. They got to continue to get better and produce numbers on the road because this ro- this road record, it's going to be hard for them. They're going to go on stretches where they're going to be on ro- the, on the road for a while and they're going to need to get better at it so then that, that way they can get there. They can get to where they need to be. They can get in uh, up on the standings. They're st- standing at number five right now on the standings list. And what's crazy about it all, and I don't like to put, I don't like to put so much credit or like I don't want to bash them for what they are the Boston Bruins are an amazing team I personally don't like the team itself I don't like them from my perspective it's just I'm not a fan but I do respect the players on that team now 
What's embarrassing is that the Boston Bruins have been in the Stanley like they've been to the Stanley Cup. They've been in the Stanley Cup playoffs years and years and years now. And right now in this part of the season, they're 15 games in. They're 9 and 6 with 18 points. But there's a team that was the worst team in the NHL 2 years ago that was eliminated before the trade deadline was the Detroit Red Wings. Now, obviously, there's been a lot of additions for the Red Wings, bringing in Nekalekovic, which was big from Carolina. That was a huge trade that brought a really good goalie to a good city that has a great fan base and loyal fan base at that. But the Detroit Red Wings are sitting in fourth with 19 points. They're one point ahead of the Bruins, but a team like the Bruins that have been offensively overpowering over the last few seasons has been, it's weird and it's not normal to see a team especially that's below 400 or below the 500% mark right now on the season. They're 475 on the season and the Boston Bruins are in 600%. Now this is weird because the amount of like the amount of wins that the Bruins have sacrificed or come to have been good, but regulation wins has been for like the Bruins they've been on eight, but overtime winners that had to go overtime wins they've been eight and eight on that. Now, obviously, what I want to talk about first and foremost is that they're five games behind Detroit, but what ultimately means it is the Detroit Red Wings have compromised more. Now, obviously, we it's still early, but I want to talk about one more team before we go to the NBA top, topic. Now, let's break down this team, and I want to break it down in, some, in a way that everybody can understand it, and we're going to look at some stats here, because I'm just... I'm exhilarated and very surprised on what I've seen from this team now. Obviously we have some odds here um, but one thing I want to say here is the roster of this team is absolutely underrated I would say. Doesn't get enough credit and really at this point we've seen that their productive power like they've been a powerhouse in the Atlantic Conference or the Eastern Conference and um, on the Atlantic Division, they've been a team that's been really scary to be against, and that is the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers have stepped up big, and we have like we've seen this team form together with a few key pieces. And honestly, this team isn't getting like this team isn't giving up. They continue to go at what they want, and they've gone 13 and two on the start of the season. This is a great start for a team that's been down and kicked out and kicked out of the kicked into the dust and like they've just been a team that hasn't been in this type of predicament or in this situation and right now teams are fearing this these Panthers right now these Florida Panthers are on fire now obviously I want to talk about the player stats we got to first talk about the goals right now on this team and I want to talk about one player in particular who's been really, really good in passing the puck and being great in the offensive zone, and that's Jonathan Marchessault. And right behind him will be Anthony Duclair. I'm going to talk about Jonathan Huberto has been one of the most dominant powerhouses for this team in the last few years. This has been something that's not, not too 
surprising, but at the same time, what he's done in 18 games, six goals, 12 assists, and 18 points, and only and only averaging a time of ice of 18 minutes per game, he's already put up 18 points and leading the team in points right now. That's huge. Now, I want to talk about one more thing on or another thing on this team is the goaltending's been phenomenal. We've seen Sergei Bobrovsky playing phenomenal hockey. Eight. Now this record is where we're going to talk about it really quick. The goals against average for Sergei Bobrovsky is at 1.99, and his again his time. He's played in 11 games. He's played in a majority about 50 percent, 60 to 50 percent of the game so far. Now we have another goalie to talk about in just a second, but first. Bobrovsky's record is 8 and 1, 8 1 and 1. 8 1 and 1 for Sergei Bobrovsky. And he's only, he's made 300 saves in 11 games. So this is something big that I wanted to talk about just because it's something that we don't ever get to talk about is how underrated these goaltenders are or how uh, underappreciated these guys are and what they've done. Now, I want to talk about another player. He was phenomenal in the World Juniors last year. Spencer Knight coming up out of nowhere and honestly surprising a lot of fans in Florida, and including myself. I was surprised at what he did last year. He went into the postseason as a rookie, had no experience in the majors, and he came up and he played phenomenal hockey. He tried his hardest to get them through. The Panthers didn't make it. And unfortunately, he learned from that mistake and he came back the next following. Now, Spencer Knight, his record is great. His goals against average could be better. But, 298 goals against average. And currently sitting with a 5-2 and two record. That is insane for both of them. Only succumbing to three losses for the both goaltenders. So this is big. But then again, this team is on a on a historical run that I've never seen before from this franchise, and I think that this is just a start. And this is a team that's going to be a playoff contender this year, and we got to be ready to watch them in the postseason. Now, let's get we're going to end this here the NHL talk, and we're going to get into the NBA. And this NBA topic is going to get a little hot. I'm going to just make it clear now. It's going to get a little rough. And I got a lot to say and a lot of criticism to give to these NBA teams. And we got to talk about it now. So, why don't we talk about some teams that have struggled as of lately that we just... I don't understand what's going on. I don't see why they're on this like huge blowout. And what we're going to talk about right now is two teams that have struggled significantly. Um within the last few games I want to talk about first and foremost the Los Angeles Lakers are looking like a team that you I've never seen before especially with LeBron James what Russell Westbrook Anthony Davis um, I've just never seen this before from a team that's been on this like it's been a absolute disastrous show to watch obviously I can't give all the credit I can't blame LeBron for what's happened to the Lakers because it's not his fault when he was out for two and a half almost two 
He was out for exactly two weeks with an abdominal strain. And that pushed him out of the lineup, and that was a big loss for them as they looked awful without him. Anthony Davis has been the only star on this team, and that's why we're going to talk about the NBA, like obviously the stats and stuff that have to we have to talk about. But first and foremost, where are the Lakers at right now? What's going on? Obviously, we have the Western Conference has just been like it's there's three teams in the Western Conference that are honestly looking like absolute studs. And it's at this point we got it like the Lakers are on like they're below one game below 500. That's the first and it's the first time that I've seen the Lakers struggle within the first 10 games, first 20 games of the season. It's been an awful thing. To, like I've watched their games, I've watched the offense. They're just not looking like a team that I've seen or I've I like to watch. Like I I couldn't watch the game the other day against the Pistons after, like, and we're going to talk about that real quick. So we did get news. Isaiah Stewart, uh, center for the Pistons, was suspended for two games for chasing LeBron for after getting very upset after what happened. He got elbowed to the face, caused a bloody nose. Obviously, there was a lot of uh, emotion in that game, and it's been, I, I want to say the Lakers have been playing with too much too much uh, aggressiveness. They've been too aggressive uh, when it comes to the ball. They've been all like all over the players and pushing players around, and that's what's been causing these outbreaks. Obviously, Isaiah Stewart had no. There's no uh, exception for what he did. He didn't need to act like that, especially uh, pushing over coaching staff, players, just to get to LeBron James. And honestly, LeBron James had just an equal part. But I don't think he deserved. I think he deserved a, at least a two-game suspension for his involvement because he was just as bad, just as agitating, or uh, trying to interrogate um, Stewart. But first and foremost, I want to talk about it really quick. Is um, what we have here now? Obviously, we're going to talk about the stat leaders here now. Points per game, we have Kevin Durant at number one. Right now, where we're standing with Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis is standing currently at 24.3 points per game. Now, that's not bad. 24.3 points per game isn't bad. Um, now, Russell Westbrook, 19.9. There's been a lot of, I don't, I want to say a lot of, he needs to get himself over, uh, over what he's done. And right now, what's really been a real hard thing to watch over the last few games is watching how many turnovers he's been given away. He's he's averaging per game 4.9 turnovers per game, which is absolutely insane. And his free his free throw percentage has been through absolutely out of the roof with the percentage being just lucky uh missing a lot of his shots and being not accurate. Right now, sitting at six, like 68%, the lowest I've seen him go on that. But the first and foremost, the field goal percentage for your your Russell Westbrook this season is just it's it's not right. It's not it's not okay. It's not like right now where Russell Westbrook is per his field goal percentage per game, or like in general on the season, has been. A 43%. That is the lowest I've seen him go with the percentage. Obviously, 
there's been a lot of struggle for the Lakers and obviously it comes down it's a team sport there needs to be communication from all players and the biggest factor is is that there's just there's not enough they're like they're I think that Russell and to be honest I'm a Rockets fan so I have a lot of mixed opinions about Russell Westbrook I'm not a fan of him I don't like him um, I wasn't a fan of him when he joined the Rockets. I didn't like him, and I still don't like him. I respect his uh, his game. Like, I respect him as a person, but I do not like his personality. I don't like him on a professional level. It's just there's a lot to it. And the way he, uh, the way he tries to handle uh, situations on his own, especially when the team needs a team, a team leader, he's just... He splits off in the middle of a game. Like, he will split off in the middle of a game and just lose focus in what's important. And especially when you're down in a game, the goal is to get back within at least a re- climbing distance or at least at least a three-point lead, four-point lead. Even a six-point lead would be great. Or even six, like, get yourself within single-digit lead or uh, possession. Like, he just he has struggled... A lot, and I don't think he fits in this lineup. Now, obviously, the like, I don't know, the Lakers. I think need to really consider this offseat, like this coming at the deadline, what they want to do. But I don't think Russell Wilson should be on this, or not Russell Wilson. Russell Westbrook should be on this team, just because he's not that guy. He's not the point guard that they need. I would have rather see Dennis Schroeder be their point, starting point guard each and every night because Dennis Schroeder put a little bit more effort in than Russell Westbrook. Obviously, I'm not a professional basketball player, but I do know when I see when I see stuff like what he's done, I know that like there's players out there that are better than that. And as a player like him making the money he does, he does not need to make that many mistakes. I understand it's human, only human to make mistakes, but he's making mistakes each and every game that's costing the Lakers the chance to get a win and it's really that's the problem with the Lakers is that they've been giving away the ball more than usual and if we were to look at that team percentage there the turnover rate for their like just in general if I look at the team stats we can we'll, we'll just look at that really quick now obviously the Lakers are still a great team I think that they can turn this around but really, it ultimately depends whether they start communicating as a team. They're currently eighth in the eighth in the division, with averaging 109 points per game. They're sitting behind uh, their average. They're last in 20. The opponent uh, points per game, opponents per game points, is currently 113.1. That's 28th ranked in the league. Now. First and foremost, I want to talk about uh, the stats. Now, the stats here are... Okay, so here we go. Stats, we're going to talk about um, what's going on with them right now. So, one thing I want to talk about... Hold on. Is this? So, first and foremost, the Lakers have been... Their rebounds haven't been good. Like, they haven't been compromising on that. And that's probably an it. That's an issue that we can talk about another day. But currently, I want to talk about the D de- and then uh, their defensive thing, and then the shots. Their shot selection hasn't been there either. 
Now, first and foremost, I want to talk about the defense. Now, here we go is what we have here. The LA Lakers are currently sitting in 19th place, or is sitting in games played. They're sitting below, like they're not on a good run at all. And by looking at their stats, their f total field goal percentage over the course of this season has been 44%. That is awful. That is not good. And it's not something that we, like as a Laker, not, I'm not a Lakers fan, but all I can say is that I'm just, I'm in total disbelief of where they're at. Now, that's enough talking about the Lakers because I'm starting to get kind of frustrated with talking about it just because of how much... There's a lot I could say that really, like, it makes sense. But at the same time, it, like, it's, there's been enough talk about it. But there, then we got some teams in the Eastern Conference that have done, I don't want to say horrible, but I don't want to say they, like, they're not impressive. They're not. Now, currently in the Eastern Conference, we have the, the Magic at dead last, which is not entirely surprising to me. But the Pistons, too, were second last. And then the Raptors are fourth last. Fourth place, or fourth position from being last place at 8 and 10. Um, I just, there's a lot. There's a lot of problems in this conference. Now, teams that I don't, I have not agreed with their performance lately. And ultimately there, there's a lot I could talk about in the Eastern Conference right now and I want to bring this up real quick is because we're only going to talk about three teams Lakers have been one and now I'm going to talk about this the second team here and that is your um, that is your Bucks Milwaukee Bucks this season I don't know how to put it put it in a way that anybody can understand it or can justify their actions or their playing but why like they this season they've been really like awful and right like their last 10 games they've been six and four they're on a four game winning streak right now but they're just they're not a team like they're winning record like they're barely winning games on the road and at home they're not playing smart basketball it's it's crazy. Giannis, and it, the thing is, is it's not even Giannis Antetokounmpo's fault. There's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot of problems within the team itself. There's been some defensive lacking efforts from all their defensive stars. I'm not even going to even criticize Antetokounmpo because he's put them in a... Like, where, where they have been, the 10 games they've won this season have been because of Gian Giannis. There's been no question about that and I don't I'm not going to throw anything at Giannis I'm I respect that man again they won the the champ NBA championship last year because of him the work that he put in and the effort that he put in after so many years of putting losing he finally got what he wanted and that was to win a championship in the Milwaukee now I didn't re agree with him resigning with the Milwaukee I didn't like it but at the end of the day that was his choice and Milwaukee is a team that needs to start focusing on, a, I want to say, a young another rebuild in the positions that they're in because they're not they're struggling at like the point guard position is where it gets confusing. 
their points per game is just, I don't know, it's just whack. But one team I want to talk about really quick that's been surprising me, but I do want to make a, a real quick reference really quick. I'm, again, I know I'm not professional. I have no place to say that, like, I've never been in their shoes. I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what goes through their minds on a nightly basis. But talking about the Bulls. Now, I was looking through ESPN or the score.net or the score app, and the other night against the Nuggets, when the Bulls played the Nuggets or the Bulls were playing the Pacers, Lonzo Ball being paid 80, $85 million over the course of four years had zero points in 25 minutes, did nothing in 25 minutes. I understand everyone has one bad game, two bad games, whatever, that's fine. But 25 minutes and no points, like not even a field, like there was no field goal or nothing for this guy. This guy was like, no, wasn't hitting his shots, wasn't nothing. There's a lot of problems with the team that night. And honestly, the biggest can, the factor on this team has been Zach Levine and De, DeRozan. Two big guys that have been productive and working hard to keep this team in check. Now... Vucevic has yet to rejoin the Bulls, according to Billy Donovan. Um, and we'll hope to see him soon. But the Bulls are sitting in third, 12 and 6. Currently, six and their last four, they're 6 and 4, and on an incredible roll. Now, one more team I want to talk about really quick here before, and this is going to be a bonus, is one team in the Western Conference that I'm just, I'm not surprised. But I'm telling you, this year there's going to be a huge difference. Now, we all know the Suns lost in the finals to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Milwaukee, again, they're a team that I don't want to underestimate because they, like last year, they did the almost the impossible. But I want to talk about a team that's just been in a rhythm and been like probably one of the most explosive. Uh, player or most explosive teams here, and that is talking about the Phoenix Suns. Devin Book. Okay, I want to talk about something really quick. Devin Booker and Paul or uh, Chris Paul did not produce any numbers last the two games ago. They were they had combined for only ten or for twenty one points out of the whole team, and they won. They took a team out by a blowout, and they had this really bad like it was uh, Devin Booker and Paul George and Chris Paul were just I don't know they were they weren't there but their other like DeAndre Ayton has come back and now obviously with the Suns owner I don't I don't agree with what's going on the allegations I again until proven I'm not going to have an opinion on the owner of what he what he said but what I do want to address is the fact that this team has been like they've been on the download the last few years. Like they, before in 2018, they were like, they started off the season strong, then fell back. They started off strong in 2017, they fell back, and it's, it's it kept happening and happening and happening and happening. And I rem I remember when they acquired Chris Paul, and they traded Kelly Oubre. I was not behind, I wasn't behind the Phoenix Suns in this. And again, I'm a Rockets fan, so I'm not like. Like, I cheer for the Rockets. I'm a loyal fan. I understand they're doing pretty bad. I'm not going to talk about them in this episode. But all I'm going to say is that 
I was never on board with the Kelly Oubre thing. And now that I'm looking at it and seeing where they've been the last two seasons, this year and last year, they've they've come a long way from being a team that's last in the Western Conference to being second place in the Western Conference behind the Warriors at 14-3 and with an 824%. They're one game behind the Warriors for first place in the West. Now, the difference is, is that they're one of the hottest teams in basketball. They're the one hottest team in basketball. In the conference, they're 12-3. and They've lost three times. They beat each team. They're 12-3 and in their conference. And their last 10, they're on a 13-game winning streak. And it doesn't seem like it's going to stop. And it's not going to stop now. And I think, really, this team looks like a team that could be a winner. I honestly have high hopes that they may win the championship this year. I know it's early to say that. But these Suns are hungry. These loyal Suns fans and any Suns fans that listen to this, I want you guys to know that this Suns team is definitely going to be a contender. It's already a contender. They're already there. They've been to the finals. They lost last year, but they're not done yet. There's, I'm confident that the Suns have the chance to go to the NBA Finals again this year, and I think that they may just pull off that championship run. Now, Chris Paul has been a big part of this team, and as much as I hated saying that when he, like, or just me hating on that, or hating saying that, is just, it's crazy. But I know when to swallow, uh, swallow my tongue and say, I'm proud of them, I'm happy for them, I'm blessed to see where they're at, and I can never be, I can never say, and there's one Suns fan out there that I absolutely adore, I love his attitude and his style, is Brandon Awadis, known as Awadis on YouTube, go give him a subscription, or go and subscribe to his YouTube channel, that guy has been one of the most loyal fans of the Phoenix Suns, he's linked up with Devin Booker, and Devin Booker's loved Brandon, they've always put like they'll play together during the summer. They'll always post up and whatnot. It's been one of those types of fans that just that he does he hasn't given up on them when they were at their lowest. I can admit he's done some really stupid shit before. Like if you've ever watched his YouTube, you would know at one point during Christmas uh, of twenty either twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen, he smashed his TV when the Suns gave up a lead to the Timberwolves. That was probably one of the most funniest videos that he's ever released. But the, just the, the gratitude of how loyal he has been to this team since day one. And obviously, the Suns are a or, known organization. They're known. Uh, the f- famous, notorious Steve Nash is the biggest name in Suns history. And really, honestly, the Suns have done a lot. And this guy's been there to watch it. And I gotta say, Brandon, you are one heck of a guy. I can. I wish I could be like you um, when it comes to being as loyal and patient. Like, you've been very patient on what your team has a con. Like, you've watched them go from up, down. Up, down, up, down. And I just... I gotta give you props to that. Congratulations. I hope that you're happy with where the Suns are sitting right now and what their potential is for the future. But that's all we're covering for this week's podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed. I enjoyed making this, but also I'm enjoying this sports stuff that we have going on. Obviously, next week I may talk about 
the signings. Obviously, again, if you want to follow any NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, um, any sports, you're going to find it on my page at Sports NWS Today on Instagram or Sports News 298 on Twitter. Go give them a follow. It would greatly be appreciated and it will help me out and it will make my day. But thank you guys all for listening. I hope you guys have an amazing and safe day. God bless and enjoy the rest of your day.